welcome back to the Infinite Rabbit Hole Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy. Today, we celebrate our third birthday. Happy birthday, Jake. Aww. Aww. Um, we're three. We're three. We're toddlers now. Aw, nice. Cute little toddlers. Out of the terrible two phase, we were punching people in the face. Yeah, we were and biting, mad and mean. Screaming no. Oh, man. It was, it was bad. Real bad. We made friends. And then we made not friends. Oh, then we yeah. made enemies, and then we made frenemies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All this stuff. So, yeah, three years. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, that's most, it. Most pos- podcasts quit after the first ten episodes. Seven. Seven episodes. Seven. I've quit twice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, everything's everything's a little bit more uh, laid back now. We're uh, we're just rolling with the punches, and uh, as as the listeners will will know soon, there will be times where we take a week or two off. It just happens. Man, you keep having me on this show. I feel like you're about to make me start crawling on back. <laughs> you're like, come on, Jake, crawl, yeah. crawl back. <laughs> well, it's up to you whether or not you want to talk about that, but. Uh, I'll just leave that at there. You'll have to interrupt if you do. Um, yeah. So nah, I don't know. Giving you some time. Okay. Nope. <laughs> All right. You heard it here, buddy. We're going to wing it. Jake's not coming back. Ever. Even if you hear an episode of mine, it's not because I'm back. It's because I'm temping. <laughs> <laughs> Hired him off a temp agency. Could you imagine? <laughs> it's like you got a substitute teacher because your, uh, your main teacher like broke all of their limbs. Yeah, And it's the same substitute for years and years and years to the point where you're like, this might be just the teacher now. And it's like, no, no, I'm the substitute. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, So the topic for the night, man, Ape Canyon. Ooh, I've been waiting for you to do this for uh, three years. Yeah, it's been a while. (laughs) It's kind of ridiculous because I feel like every time we do one of these topics from a long time ago we always bring up this was supposed to be one of the first topics we ever did and, <laughs> and everyone's like wow there was a lot of first topics well they're good topics they were good topics yeah. and this, this is a good topic well that's the what i'm pro- saying is all those ones that we didn't do it's because the research was inadequate or the timing was inadequate but they're really good topics so it's like you know plus i'm happy that we waited because the first episode sucked they were terrible yeah, they're awful. They'll never see the light of day. No, not never. <laughs> Unless you want to pay $2.99 to Anchor or Spotify for podcasters, and then you can listen to all of them. It's That's completely up to you. I say that because I wish that we had waited on some of those topics, and we're going to redo them eventually uh, because they deserve more respect than what they got. But we had to grow on something, right? Yeah. Luckily, Ape Canyon was not one of them. Because I can do it right this time. You know, I have all of the original test recordings. How funny it would be if we just dropped one of those as an episode and it's just us just <laughs> mumbling nonsense for 25 minutes. We lose all the followers. I started keeping little clips of like goofs. Yeah. And I, I have a folder in my computer just, just called the goof folder. And, uh, <laughs> whenever I get like an hour's worth of goofs, I'm just going to drop it. Nice. <laughs> it'll be funny we're just spreading misinformation it's like wait take that out and just put that in a big old reel <laughs> big old track yeah 
All right. So before we kick off, though, I do have to ask for a, a birthday wish today, since it, we are celebrating three years of existence on this planet. <laughs> <laughs> As the host of the Infinite Rabbit Hole podcast, when we were reborn, ooh, let us re re reintroduce ourselves. No. Oh gosh. No, nope, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> no, we're not doing that stupid shit again. Um. If I could ask for anything from the listeners, if you guys could just uh, drop a review and, and a rating. Uh, yeah. It's been a long time since we've gotten any ratings or reviews, especially reviews. Um, sometimes I feel like we're just throwing this uh, this stuff out into the nether and it just gets lost. I, mean, I know people listen to it. We have thousands of you that show up every single week to listen to the show. And we have like eight reviews. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to start making some more fake names. Give me a good one. Uh Leo. Darvin. Ooh. <laughs> I'll put a five star yeah. review from Darvin Leo Smith the fifteenth. <laughs> like that guy totally exists. Yeah, he totally doesn't exist. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we're gonna jump right in. This topic isn't very long. I mean, it's a it's a story. It's a it's an experience that a few gentlemen had out in the middle of nowhere a long time ago with some upright walking creatures that were a little pissed off in the middle of the woods. And that's the whole story. That's pretty much it. <laughs> All right. Tell me your story, story man. Have you heard this one before? Uh, Yes, but I didn't do any digging because I knew it was something that you wanted. And when you were first talking about it, it was when we had the whole gang. So it's like, well, I can't be reading up into everything that you want to talk about because otherwise there's no surprises true true and i'm lazy so maybe well, that was played a part this this topic <laughs> has been beaten history channel national geographics discovery every single podcast that's out there uh magazines books everything is covered ape canyon so we're just going to literally do it too yeah there's nothing yep. else we can do but beat that dead horse right back into the earth <laughs> hopefully the people who are listening to this don't read books because that's where I got my information. <laughs> Hopefully you're a bunch of illiterate fools. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's some stuff that, that doesn't really show up on a lot of the documentaries that people will see, especially when we start talking about the gentleman who wrote a booklet on his experience in Ape Canyon. Haven't really seen that other than in a few books. So hopefully that's all new information, everybody. Uh, without further ado, Jacob, you ready, man? Ready. All right. Let's do this. Ape Canyon. In July of 1924, a group of prospectors at the base of Mount St. Helens' eastern side had a run-in with what they referred to as a group of mountain devils and gorilla men that would not only create one of the biggest mysteries in the world of Bigfoot lore, but as a byproduct, would give this specific area its name, Ape Canyon. In the July 12, 1924 edition of the Oregonian newspaper, the article would explain that the attack on the men was not the first run-in with these large mountain gorillas of Mount St. Helens. A man that the article refers to as Smith reported seeing human-like footprints which made large trackways throughout many areas of the mountain and its surrounding landscape. The thing that was really eye-popping about these prints was the enormous size. 
The article will go on to describe the quote-unquote devils as standing seven feet tall, weighing roughly 400 pounds, and leaving prints 13 to 14 inches long in their wake. This has since proven to be smaller than the average report of these creatures in the area as time has passed. The most commonly heard retelling of the story is simple. The men were in an unnamed canyon, far from civilization, on the eastern side of Mount St. Helens panning for gold. The men began seeing strange footprints around the area, and a few members believe that it is one of the others that may be messing around. That changes once one of the prospectors, a man by the name of Fred Beck, shoots a huge ape man. Not long after, the cabin that the men built became the target of many rocks, varying in sizes from small to rather large, being thrown at the cabin in the middle of the night as the men were trying to sleep. The onslaught continued for a long time, and one ballsy Sasquatch even stuck an arm inside the cabin, apparently trying to grab an axe for one of the men. The story has been picked apart and ridiculed for decades. Explanations such as the men making the prints themselves using their hands, to a group of teenagers being the ones that were terrorizing the prospectors that night from a camp in Spirit Lake, miles away and too far for children to be hiking out from in the middle of the night. But the story that is told by the world-famous cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman in his book Bigfoot, The True Story of Apes in America, dives deeper into the story from the point of view of the men being attacked. In 1918, five men by the names of Fred Beck, Marion Smith, Roy Smith, Gabe Lefevre, and John Peterson began an expedition in order to prospect for gold. They ended up finding a quiet, wide-open area on the eastern side of Mount St. Helens that lay snug in a vast canyon with a picturesque creek running along the bottom. A rather large sandbar in the middle of the creek became the place where the men would wash off their equipment, dishes, and gather water for their hydration and cooking. The place was perfect, and the men decided this is where they were going to build a cabin and settle in for the long run while prospecting away from their families. Early in the morning on an unspecified day in 1922, one of the men came back to camp to grab the rest to show them what he had discovered down on the sandbar. The men were surprised to find two very large human-like footprints in the middle of the sandbar that they visited every day. The prints were four inches deep and seemed to have been showing a path from their side of the creek to the other, coming onto the sandbar, taking two steps in its soft ground and exiting back into the water. Although this was the only trackway they found on this day, many more would be found in the following days and weeks, and it began seeming like something else had moved into their perfect home away from home. The largest of the tracks, eventually reported by the men, was 19 inches long, but the range was wide, and they found prints running from the really big 19-incher down to the size of a young teenager. Soon the men began hearing large thumping sounds coming from both peaks of the valley as if the sounds were responding to each other. Thoughts of their fellow prospector or prospectors playing tricks on them quickly fled after they would hear these sounds with all parties present. In early July, a strange new sound would ring through the canyon, along with the thumping that they have grown to know very well. Whistles were added, and these sounds would continue for just over an entire week. The men became unnerved and began bringing their rifles with them everywhere they went. Footprints, strange sounds were flooding the area and the tension in the air was increasing. The stage was set. 
for the collapse of peace in this particular canyon. On one morning, Fred Beck and Marion Smith were filling their canteens with water down at the creek, when suddenly Smith rose to his feet with his rifle drawn and aimed directly at a large hair-covered creature standing on two legs by a tall pine tree just about a hundred yards away. As Beck was rising to his feet, the creature walked behind the trunk of the tree and poked its head out. Marion Smith took the opportunity to fire off three consecutive shots at the creature, completely missing but shredding the tree that stood before it. The creature ran away, and a short time later, another one, possibly the same one, was spotted by the men about 200 yards away from where they were standing in a slightly different direction. This time, Fred Beck shot three times and seemed to have finally scared it off for the time being. The men were petrified and reported back to the cabin to tell the others about the experience. The group had enough of this and no longer felt safe after laying eyes on the huge creature for the first time, and they all agreed that it was time to leave. But they would have to wait until daybreak, as leaving in the middle of the day would not give them enough time to get out of the area before sundown. So the men did what they could with the daylight that they had, and packed up camp in preparation for the leave in the next morning. All right, Jake, we're heading into nighttime, man. What do you think? Um, okay, so let me scroll back to it. The first, yeah, rifle drawn and aimed directly at the large hair-covered creature standing on two legs and tall pine trees about 100 yards away. Okay, 100 yards. I was like, how did he miss three times? It's yeah. Like, does Has he ever shot a rifle before? But, well, this, this was also back in, what, what was it, 1922, right? Yeah, so it was... Would have been iron sights and stuff. Probably yeah. a lever action or something. Exactly. Maybe, maybe a bolt action. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I was just curious because I... And then the other time when it showed up 200 yards away, I was like, well, that makes sense. But I was just like, I couldn't recall what the distance was. And I was like, uh, weird. But, yeah. Sorry, I'm just reading along with you. As you know, I, I like to. I have ADD, so I'll start to zone out and just not remember anything <laughs> you just said. <laughs> I don't know if this is the same story that I I thought it was. I think I was thinking about something else. Nah, I think, yeah, I mean, we still haven't got to the nighttime yet. Night, hmm. all the juice happens. Well, the next morning is pretty crazy, too, but the, well, the nighttime is, is nuts. All right, may, maybe it is. I don't know. I'm, I'm interested in what you remember, but we'll get, we'll get to that later. All right, maybe. yeah, I'll let you know if this is what I was thinking about. Maybe maybe it is, maybe it's not, I don't know. I'm pretty sure, though. All right, let's go. Ready? Ready. One bad night. At around midnight, the men were awoken by a very aggressive slam on the side of the cabin. Whatever it was, it was strong enough to send chinking from the walls flying into the cabin. The loud bang was followed by the sounds of numerous footfalls running around the outside. All the men grabbed their rifles and Beck slowly approached the openings left by the attack to see if he could spot the culprits. What he saw were three large apes standing on two legs with the sounds of others running all around on the other sides of the cabin. The men frantically discussed if they should take the chances at firing on the creatures, and one of the men recommended that they only shoot if they had to defend themselves. So the decision was made to only fire if there was a direct attack on the cabin itself, but as long as they were just running around, there was no reason to waste what little ammo the men had. As they were concluding their plans, a few rocks were heard hitting the side and the roof of the cabin. 
This was quickly followed up by a barrage of stones, rocks, and what the men referred to as small boulders being thrown at their safety net. It was when the creatures began physically slamming on the sides of the cabin and a few getting on top and trying to jump through the roof that Beck and Smith began firing through the walls and the ceiling. The other men were fixing a pole from the bed frame to the door as it seemed that the creatures knew the way to enter and the attack on the area of the building was evidently a focus. At one point, an arm was thrust through a gap left by one of the many attacks and attempted to grab at anything that it could. Unfortunately for the men, the closest thing to that area of the cabin was an axe, so Beck made the quick decision to grab it, and Smith fired around at the arm but missed. The good thing was that even if it didn't hit the creature, it retreated its arms in response to either the sound of the shot or the feeling of the bullet smashing into the wood right next to it. The attack continued all night. There were a few intermissions brought on by whatever made the creatures want to stop, but the downtime never lasted long. At most, only a few minutes. Just before the sun came up, the attack was over. The men came out of the cabin with guns drawn, still freshly nervous about the night that just ensued. The men were acting quickly to gather their things and begin the hike back out of the area. But before the men could leave, Beck spotted a single creature about 80 yards away. He fired three times and there was no telling how many of the shots landed, but one for sure did as the creature buckled and fell over the cliff it was on and the men watched as it fell about 400 feet. They quickly left without gathering all their gear, and that afternoon the men arrived at the closest ranger station they knew of in Spirit Lake just northwest of their camp and reported their attackers to the sheriff on station. Not long after, their story leaked to the local newspaper in Kelso, Oregon, where the men were from, and a small group of reporters hiked out to the canyon to attempt to find evidence of the men's claims. The only evidence they found were a lot of large footprints. The area that the men had their experience was therefore known as and officially named Ape Canyon and has carried that moniker since. All right. That is pretty much the story. I don't know. That thing falls 400 feet. By the time it hit the ground, it would literally just be a puddle of <laughs> of meat and hair. <laughs> so at first, right, I was... I thought the same thing and the documentaries don't really do a good job because for the longest time people had trouble finding where the location of this cabin actually was because the cabin was torn down shortly afterwards. They didn't want anybody else going out there. So they tore it down as a safety measure and mm-hmm. it wasn't that the men tore it down. This was, you know, the, the officials, they went out there, they tore it down and they mm-hmm. hauled all the shit out of there. For, so for the longest time, it, it was this huge mystery as to where this stuff actually took place right uh eventually a group of researchers went out there and found some uh signs of of you know something being built they found metal uh shavings bullet shells i think they even found like a panning pan like one of those little saucer pans sure uh in in a general location it matched everything it had a creek that ran down the middle and in the location of this cabin there was a cliff right behind it. And there's actually a picture of it. I could try to find it real quick for you and sure. shoot it over to you. But that, I mean, this cabin is basically butt up to a cliff right behind it. When you start thinking of people telling stories, people exaggerate a little bit. I don't think it was it, it was so far off to think that, you know, these guys actually did take a pop shot at a Bigfoot. And, you know, it fell to its death probably right oh. next to the cabin. No, I don't. I don't mean that. I mean that. 
to go back and then show the investigators what, you know, or the, the cops or whatever, what had happened. If they were trying to like point at the body and say, there it is, oh, it could yeah. have been mistaken for anything that had hair because it would have been just hamburger meat, blood, and fur, <laughs> right? If dropping 400 feet onto granite, probably just blow, gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it would have been like, that's a bear that has been ground up. <laughs> so here is. We'll we'll just keep talking. I'll, I'll send it out to you because they ended up uh, they ended up building a little cabin in there as like a memory thing, mm-hmm. like a historical building. I guess I, I don't okay. really know. So there is something there, and the the picture's heading your way. I'll try to if I remember, I'll post this to Facebook for anybody's listening. Uh, if I don't, someone say something on the Facebook group, and I'll post it. Gosh, four hundred eighty yards, or just four hundred yards in general, is a long distance. Yeah, well, 400 all, feet, 400 feet. Oh, 400 feet. 400 yeah. feet is not as long of a distance as 400 <laughs> yards. <laughs> it's but, actually only a third of the distance, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's quite short. <laughs> all right, never mind. I was just going to say, I don't know. That's a pretty wild shot. With <laughs> It's like, oh, using just flintlock muskets. <laughs> they charged the beast. Pow! Yeah, it was funny, too, because you were reading it, and their decision was we're only going to fight back and shoot at them if they start destroying the cabin. And then immediately afterwards, you said rock started hitting the cabin. I was like, all right, game on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love this story. So I'm not trying to make fun of it whatsoever, but this is, this reminds me of like those comedy movies where it's like, all right, man, you know, you have two people that are manning up and they're, they're getting ready to fight each other. And like, all right, do that again. And I'll fuck you up. And then he does it again. He's like, yeah, do it again. Do it again. Yeah. <laughs> do, do it again. again. Do it you, again. You won't. You won't. <laughs> you won't do that again. Right. Say that to my face. I just said it to your face, bro. <laughs> yeah, but, you won't, but you won't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if they do it again, then we'll shoot at them. That's right. And who <laughs> who blows holes through their perfectly good cabin walls? Right. Especially with the arm going through. It's like arms generally just bend a certain way you know things coming out mm-hmm. and it was feeling around which mean it probably wasn't just the wrist and the hand kind of flopping around on the other side of the wall it was probably like to the elbow just find center mass from there and just be like oh probably right there bang <laughs> dead who knows maybe that did happen at the same time i have a lot of talk but i would be filling my pants with crap <laughs> so take listeners take what i say with a grain of salt because i've never been in the situation all i heard was some whoops and some tree knocks and i couldn't even breathe so <laughs> who am i <laughs> who am i to judge these poor fe- people <laughs> with their terrible aim <laughs> well not a lot to the story that's pretty much it there's a little bit more that i'm going to go over right now but this is more of background information that'll this is the part where I, I don't think a lot of people have their hands on, but this comes from a very reputable source. Lauren Coleman is world-renowned. He's probably the most famous cryptozoologist alive right now. Um, very, very respected. Anybody gets a chance to grab one of his books, Mysterious America, and then the Bigfoot um, History of Apes in America are just absolutely fantastic. He does a Mothman book where he kind of tears apart the whole Mothman thing a little bit. Um, but 
for I mean, he is just awesome. He's the owner of the uh, International Cryptozoology Museum in, in uh, Maine. And uh, I I reached out to him one time to try to come on the show. You know what he said to me? What? Says he doesn't do podcasts. Uh, does he do radio? We could dress it up. Well, he, he said that because uh, there was some kind of Bigfoot conference going on at the time when I reached out to him. He said, are you going to be at the conference? You can ask me a few questions there and you can record it. And I was like, nah. Like thanks though. <laughs> no, I would, I would, I would absolutely love to to pick uh, Lauren's brain. The guy is, guy's one of my heroes. Love that nice. guy. All right, you ready? Ready. Here, have some woo. At the end of the chapter that covers the Ape Canyon story in Lauren Coleman's book Bigfoot: The True Story of Apes in America, Coleman describes entries from Fred Beck's booklet that he self-published titled. I Fought the Ape Man of Mount St. Helens, Washington. Fred being the storyteller and his son, known as R.A., being the writer and editor of the piece. These entries are where many have come to draw the line about Fred Beck and the entire Ape Canyon onslaught as it contains an insight on Beck and his beliefs in the supernatural and the paranormal. Side note, this is not my personal belief on the story of Ape Canyon. I'm simply just reporting it. Fred Beck describes in his booklet that throughout his life, he has been guided by two spirits through a psychic link of sorts. The first being a buckskin clad Indian and the other being a woman that he refers to as Vander White. Another side note, the men would come to call the mine that they were prospecting Vander White after Beck made the claim that it was her that led them to the prosperous area. Beck would go on to describe how it was his belief that the quote-unquote ape men were not of this world, and that he was conscious enough throughout the experience to recognize them as supernatural beings. It was his belief that the creatures came from another dimension and were a supernatural link between mankind and animal consciousness. Now before anyone jumps ship and claims hoax, I need to point out a few things first. One, like I stated before, Fred's son wrote the booklet. Two, in every interview that was held with Fred Beck before the release of this booklet, he had never once mentioned anything about psychic connections with spirits or a supernatural aspect to the creatures that attacked the cabin. And three, even if he did claim there was a supernatural aspect to the affair, these men left hundreds of dollars worth of equipment in an entire cabin in a time that money and equipment were hard to come by. So in my mind, there might be something here, and the booklet may have more of his son's beliefs in the subject than his own story. Just my opinion as a possibility. But Lauren Coleman stated a few other things that may sway a few back to the hoax side of the fence in this book. He pointed out that in the original 1924 account that Beck gave during an interview for a newspaper, the footprints that were left at the scene had four toes. This has since been changed throughout the years, and in his more recent recalling of the story, the prints have upgraded to five-toed prints. One thing to keep in mind is that reporters will sometimes alter the points given to them to create more compelling stories. Not that I think that happened here, but it's something that you need to consider. Something that was pointed out to Coleman by researcher Mark A. Hall was that also when telling the story for the first few years, the creatures that Beck described were smaller than the 8-foot hairy ape with a 19-inch foot. More modern reports of Sasquatch are commonly filled with larger beings ranging from 7 to 10 foot tall or even higher in some cases. A question arises here. Did he alter his story to match what is more commonly reported? Now let's not get all hung up on all the negatives. 
in Marion Place's book on the track of Bigfoot. She explains that there have been Sasquatch sightings in the area of Mount St. Helens for at least a century, and the book she made this statement in was published in 1974. She explains that the local natives of the area considered Spirit Lake and its surrounding area to be a place believed to be the home of evil spirits known as Siatkos or Salatics. I personally like to put weight in the fact that natives have many stories of what we now refer to as Bigfoot or Sasquatch. With that being said, the sheer amount of sightings, pictures, disappearances, prints, and recordings that come from the area is astounding. Washington State in a whole is well known as the number one place in the U.S. to seek out the creature, with the area of Ape Canyon and the places that surrounding it being the most active. So that's it, Jake. That's all I have, man. 100%. Time to plan a trip to Ape Canyon, bro. <laughs> that would be cool. That would be really cool. Add it to our list of trips. Yeah, that will never do. Man, I'm glad that you cleared that up, because I, I was like, Fred Beck is a nutbag. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get my hand on any interviews that, that he was a part of. I mean, this was so, so long ago where he was giving firsthand experience or early experience uh, descriptions of this entire event. So it's it's really hard to confirm any of this stuff. Right. You know, um, I I don't know. I, I, I lean into Lauren Coleman's research quite a bit. He's somebody that I trust within the realm of the cryptozoology and mm-hmm. supernatural and, and whatnot. Um, so I, I don't know, maybe I'm maybe I'm playing favorites here, but uh, when he says something, I I tend to believe that he's done his research. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't trust a lot of people. I like to uh, take one book and compare it to another book and, and kind of report on something in the middle. A little bit of here, a little bit of there. But when Lauren Coleman reports on something, I mean, that's pretty much concrete for me. Mm-hmm. So if he's saying that the interviews and everything were pretty normal, you know, mm-hmm. and there were no supernatural aspects to it, and he said that, you know, because from what I understand, he uh, Beck didn't even really know how to read and write, apparently. Uh, that's huh. another thing that I read. So... He needed his son to be able to write that book. And it's like, yeah, dad, don't worry. This says everything that you want it to say or everything. Okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was sitting there like, wow, this is, I see it a lot, right? Where the initial report comes out or maybe even a follow-up like sometime later after the hysteria or the nerves can cool down and then there's stuff added to it. I, I mean, I've done that before and without being untruthful in a, a statement or a story. But when it gets really weird afterwards, I'm like, okay. So I'm not saying the initial encounter is wrong, but I'm saying that you're an attention whore. <laughs> <laughs> and you're trying to drum up more popularity to get people more worked up over this. It's a spirit being. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Especially how they were physically banging on the, the cabin walls and we were physically shooting them. And one physically got shot and fell 400 feet onto granite and exploded. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know. It's just. But, yeah, you clearing that up was good. But, no, this isn't. Uh, this isn't at all what I was thinking. Really? <laughs> I was thinking about the one uh, where, like, the cabin was completely destroyed overnight and then everyone was killed and stuff. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, some, like, group of big feet, like, snuck up on some people and ripped their cabin apart and killed everybody. That's news to me. 
<laughs> oh. Well, I might have to do a, a report on maybe, it. <laughs> maybe you should. I'm pretty yeah. well versed in Bigfoot stories. Google it. I like that. Uh, I like that name too. Was it the Mountain Devils? I'm gonna start calling them that. Mountain Devils. <laughs> Mountain Devils. Well, a uh, little little side note on that, right? Oh, man, uh, William Jennings, William Jevning, William Jevning. Pretty sure I got that right. William Jevning does a, a podcast called Creek Devil. Mm-hmm. And he explains during one of his earlier episodes. I mean, this is back when I was researching how to do podcasts at all, when I was studying other shows to see how to make this one. Um, he was kind of explaining that in the very early stages of American history, when they were reporting these things, people reported them as devils. So you got a lot of things like, forest devil creek devil mountain Mm -hmm. devil all that stuff so uh swamp devils so when these guys were calling them mountain devils it fits perfectly right into the time frame of when people were being introduced to this creature i see it's pretty cool well i like it i like it regardless yeah but yeah i'm definitely gonna have to look up what that story was i was thinking about it was like an abominable snowman thing but still oh are you talking about uh, Dyatlov Pass. It was a, it was a tent. It was yeah. it was snowing. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about Dyatlov Pass. That's in Russia, dude. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, that's <laughs> dude. If you if you do Dyatlov Pass, you better do it fucking right. You understand me? Well, you understand I'm not me? saying you I'm gonna do it. Understand now me, that, guy? Now that you know what it is, and you're over here chuckling about yeah. it, how do you even spell that? Dyatlov, D Y O L T O V. Dyatlov. There it is. Dyatlov Pass. Ah, yes. 1959. Yeah. Where everyone, yeah, I was like, I haven't even seen pictures of it where there was like dead bodies and stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> Dyatlov Pass is. Are Dialatov, Dialatov, I mean, people pronounce it all kinds. I'm not Russian. I'm going to pronounce it the best I can, I guess. Um, Yeah, that's an absolute, absolute crazy story. It's probably spelled like, pronounced Dialatov or something. Maybe. Like a a silent Y. I read a really good fictional book on that whole experience, which was pretty good. It was just called Dialatov Pass. Um, Mm. Yeah, there's so many, so many theories uh, ranging from damage from infrasound people just going absolutely fucking bonkers nuts uh because of infrasound uh set off by military testing or by ufos and or that a that a freaking yeti just came in and just mauled everybody and threw half of a person into a tree and (laughs) (laughs) i mean i mean that there's so much to unwind there there's a lot a lot of stuff there for dial up bass well, I'll leave it to you since I don't read. Okay, I I will uh I will definitely do dial up that that's one of the ones where you know when we have a milestone episode coming up, mm-hmm. which we're are we're knocking out our two milestones like back to back right here, uh so it won't be for like another year but shit maybe maybe for the four year anniversary, dial up pass would be a really good one to do. You got to be able to pronounce it right though. No, Datlov. No, you're gonna po your coworker. I don't give that- a fuck. Hates the way that we, <laughs> Lauren, who hates oh. the way that we pronounce stuff. Hey, it is what it is. She still listens to the show. <laughs> That's all that matters. <laughs> nice. 
Well, dude, I like it. I uh, have no reason to believe that it's all made up hosh posh. I think that it's uh, more than likely true because it seems like no one died. Yeah. Right. Well, except for one of the, the big feats, but no human being died. There was all the key stuff, the the footprints, the rock throwing, the noises. I mean, it's pretty cut and dry as far as like a basic Bigfoot encounter. It is. And the reason why I love it is because it's a classic. It's as Americana as a Bigfoot story comes. Uh, when you think Bigfoot and you think of like the big stories, um, you think Ape Canyon and the Patterson Giblin film. Those are the two, two like big, big ones. And Detlock Pass. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there's a lot of others. There's Momo. There's, uh, I'm not going to say her name of them all, but there's, there's Momo. <laughs> uh, th- there's a lot, a lot. Uh, those are, those are, those are your two heavyweights when it comes to, uh, stories of Bigfoot, sightings, experiences, and, and the such. Um, absolute beautiful stories. I'm happy that we lasted long enough to get both of them out. It's pretty cool. We'll have to revisit the Patterson Gimlin film because I think that that deserves a a better swing at. But uh, yeah, hmm. I think that was actually that might have been one of our first good episodes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a uh, season one season finale. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's been a long time, man. It's been a long time. Three years, dude. That's crazy. Congrats. We should we should quit. You should know you should quit again. <laughs> and I'll just keep going. Ah, uh, yes. I'm doing this stress free. You notice how I keep saying us? There's a reason for that. No, there isn't. He's talking to himself and his ego. Ooh. And and others other folks who may be present. <laughs> what is the reasoning? Oh, it's the spirits. <laughs> well, I mean, do you want to talk about it? Nah. Okay. I figured since it was the end of the episode, but okay. I mean, I don't know. I might come back, and that's a huge might, and it depends on whether or not I can knock out this episode I'm working on <laughs> with my very busy get-out-of-the-Navy schedule, looking-for-a-house schedule, rebuilding a bike that I crashed schedule. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, yeah, I'm trying to trying to knock out a series that I've been thinking about for a while, Um so yeah, if I can start getting some episodes rolling out there and they start getting released and dropped and everything like that, that'd be pretty cool. Um, but even still, even if I did, you guys would have to deal with me uh, closing up for a while and not too long because I am going to be moving. I'm getting out of the military here in oh, about five months. And uh, me and my wife are looking to be moved into our new house off of base uh, before that happens. So we're actively looking... We might be buying a house here within the next month or so. Um, definitely praying about that. But um, yeah, so I don't know. I might be over here putting around. Um, might have to wait a little bit longer. We'll see how all the schedule and stuff lines up. But it's uh, Jeremy is always sitting there with wide open doors. He, he said to me verbatim, even when I'm Joe Rogan big and I've got documentaries and making millions and millions of dollars, I'll always let you sue me for royalties or come back. And I was like, man, that does sound tempting, but I'd rather just come back and be involved because all these guest spots he keeps having me on, it's making me miss the rush of being exhausted. 
<laughs> being exhausted and thinking, oh my gosh, I have to ed- edit this. <laughs> Missed the rush. It's such a different approach now. It is like the only reason why it's been weekly is because I've had all this stuff built up from being down for almost three months. I mean, we're almost at the end of that now, so people are going to start seeing some downtime again. We may have to go back to one episode a month for a little while, especially since with the holidays popping up and NFL football right around the corner. Priorities. Priorities. You know, uh, we may – it may get a little thin around here, everybody. But uh, <laughs> I know that we have at least another month's worth of content uh, pretty much ready to go. So uh, my goal is to make it to episode 150 before I call anything, you know, or start going a little slower um, or hold back and let let some backstock build so I can seem consistent to everybody again. Uh, but, yeah, that's pretty much it. Three years, Jake. Congrats, man. Three years. Wow, that's crazy. Happy birthday, bud. Yep, happy birthday. Three years ago, Jake said, yeah, I'll do this with you. And he's regretted <laughs> it every day. That's that's literally how it went. I was just like, yeah, I got nothing better to do. I'll do it. <laughs> and no, I did not hear his story and tell him he was full of crap. That is entire fabrication. I may have thought it, but I never said it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there it is, everybody. All right. Well, that's it. Jake, thanks for coming on, buddy. For sure, dude. Always, always a pleasure. And uh, yeah, until next time, we'll see you in the next path of the infinite rabbit hole. Bye. Bye. I would like to thank you once again for tuning in to the Infinite Rabbit Hole Podcast. Please make sure to give us a follow and one of those beautiful five-star ratings on your podcast player of choice. If you would like to join the conversation and stay up to date on all things Infinite Rabbit Hole, head on over to Facebook and search for the Infinite Rabbit Hole Facebook group. You all know it's us when you see the logo. If you would like to help contribute to the cause, there are a few ways to do so. First head on over to anchor.fm forward slash infinite rabbit hole and click on the subscribe button where for $5 a month you'll get access to all our old episodes that will never see the free spotlight ever again. It's horrible stuff. But if you're into that kind of thing, then go check it out. Second, head on over to infiniterabbithole.com and click on the IRH merch shop tab and grab yourself a sweet t-shirt, sticker, or whatever else you see that you wouldn't mind owning. Until next time, travelers, I'm Jeremy, and I'll see you at the next fork in the path of the Infinite Rabbit Hole. Bye.